Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. I'm your host as always, David, and thank you guys so, so much to tuning in, to listening, to taking time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a veteran listener, and I say veteran because, I mean, after almost 180 episodes, if you've even listened to a small fraction of them, you've listened to a lot of podcasts. (laughs) So, it's the new year. And, you know, I kind of want to change up the format a little bit and, uh, you know, do some different stuff. So, what I'm going to do today is talk about my trip to uh, England. And, uh, you know, it was quite an interesting trip. Uh, I went there in 2009. And, uh, you know, it was an exciting, exciting trip. It was my second time, you know, uh, traveling overseas. And uh, I just really had a lot of fun. I went by myself. Um, Of course, getting there was a little bit of a trial. Um, If you've ever seen the movie Terminal with, uh, not Terminal, The Terminal with Tom Hanks, where he gets stuck in the airport and has to live there in New York... Um, I kind of had to do that for 24 hours, along with a bunch of other people, uh, because it was during the time of the avian bird flu and swine flu and all that other nonsense that was going on. So my flight got picked for a random quarantine to make sure that we weren't bringing any contagions into uh, the United Kingdom. So the first leg of our flight, we flew from... Charlotte, North Carolina, to Toronto, Canada, where we spent 24 hours in the food court area of the Toronto airport. Um, We all slept there. We formed like a camaraderie because, well, (laughs) if one of us had to use the bathroom, we didn't want to have to carry all our luggage around. And there was about, you know, 60 of us. You know, so we were kind of like, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom right quick. You know, we were sleeping across like the chairs and the tables and the uh, the bench seats in the food court at night after the airport closed. Because we weren't, well, we might have been able to leave the airport, but there really wasn't much to do aside from getting our passports stamped. Uh, you know, uh, there was a horse racing track, which obviously wasn't open. Um, at in the middle of the night, and then a bunch of strip clubs, which were open, but, um, you know, not exactly something we wanted to do um, while we were in a foreign country. <laughs> so, so anyway, we all kind of just stayed in the food court and just hung out. Um, we used the free Wi-Fi. We used every available outlet. Uh, we probably su- substantially raised the power bill of the uh, of the uh, airport that that day because all of us had our tablets or I mean our laptops or tablets and our um, phones plugged in. Of course, I was still rocking a BlackBerry Storm. Uh, if you guys remember those, that was billed as the iPhone killer. You know, it was extremely successful because, as you guys know, BlackBerry's pretty much out of business. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that, that they own good, uh, they would be out of business. That's the one thing that saved them, is they've got some of the best enterprise-level 
email and uh, communication software on the planet and quite frankly some of the only which is why it's the best um, but yeah so I was rocking a Blackberry Storm uh, it was back when you could still get unlimited data plans overseas so I paid like $60 um, and had unlimited data so I sat there <laughs> making uh, data calls through Skype uh, throughout the night and I sat there on my laptop uh, just churning away on the internet, just watching YouTube videos, whatever I could, because it was hard to sleep, obviously, on those uh, plastic benches. I mean, they're not exactly fun to sit on. Matter of fact, I'm convinced that a lot of those benches in food courts are designed so you won't stay there a long time. You know, they're designed to be so painful after a while that you're just like, okay, I gotta go. So, we ended up you know, finally, you know, gain the go-ahead to be able to go on our flight, which was that next morning. Of course, uh, at about 4 o'clock, I volunteered to go to the flight desk, or to the, to um, you know, to the airline's main desk where you check in your luggage, because we had to take our luggage, too. Our luggage couldn't even go ahead of us. So we all had our luggage, obviously, which, of course, I mentioned earlier, I realized. But anyway, we had our luggage with us, so I walked out to the um to the front desk to see if we could check our luggage you know and at least get it on its way to the plane um and of course the first time i checked was about four thirty-five o'clock somewhere around in there and it was a long walk to the um to the desk so you know we didn't all want to go and then take our luggage and then be like oh well shoot uh we can't drop it off yet so um, I come back, told them, hey, yeah, no, no go, no one's there yet, they haven't opened, they open it, uh, thankfully they have their hours on the desk, so I told them, I was like, hey, they open at 7, we'll, uh, you know, we can all go at 7. So we all, we all got there a little bit earlier, because we were like, we've been in this airport longer than anybody, except for the security guards, we are going to be the first ones to get our luggage checked and, and, and prepped for this flight. So we all headed up there about 10 minutes till, uh, got all our luggage checked in, and then headed back to the food court to just kind of hang out um, until our flight left, which was, I think I want to say it left later on in the afternoon, but at least we didn't have to worry about that. We had all of our luggage. It was, you know, ready. It was with the baggage handlers. Um, you know, it was being inspected by the TSA and all that good stuff. So we were fine. We didn't have to carry all that crap around. You know, all I had was my my laptop satchel with my laptop and, you know, my, my phone and my chargers and a book or two. So we're good. Um, time came for the flight. The flight went off without a hitch. It was really awesome. Um, I, I don't really mind long flights. Um you know, too much, uh, it's, it's not too bad, um, you know, because I'll just put in some music or, or something and go, um, however, um, one thing that we ran into was, uh, I was sitting next to this, this, um, uh, young Asian girl, and she was just, she put in her headphones, uh, right away, and just kind of zoned out, um, but there was a kid in the chair in front of us, and he was not having it on this flight. As soon as we took off, he was just 
screaming and pitching a fit and all of this. And of course, you know, nowadays they would have landed the plane somewhere and been like, yeah, get, get off lady. Your kid's a menace. Um, you know, back then that didn't happen. Um, and, and it turned out to be okay. Uh, I'm sharing the story because it's relevant. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I had my headphones turned up as loud as they would go. And this kid, uh, he might've been four or five. Uh, they were flying back to London to, you know, because they had come to the States to visit family and the mother and this, and this young boy, her son, um, were flying home. So I had my headphones turned up as loud as they would go. And I still could hear this kid screaming over the music that was so loud in my ears. It was starting to hurt. The music was, and then I was hearing the screaming on top of it. So finally, I um, I took the uh, the vomit bag, um, you know, and and decided I was going to destroy it and turn it into a couple paper paper airplanes. So I uh, I took and I made two paper airplanes out of it, and then I s- stuck my hand through the the opening between the two seats. And put it there, and the kid stopped crying immediately, and tentatively took it out of my hand. Um, you know, I felt kind of like, um, you know, uh, Princess Leia and the Ewok in Return of the Jedi, where they're trying to, like, hand each other things, and they're kind of scared of each other. Um, I'm not really sure. I think I was, I'm not sure if I was Princess Leia or the Ewok in that situation. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, anyway, so I hand him the airplane and he takes it and he's quiet. And then I take the other airplane I made and throw it over the seat. So it flies. And of course they're in the front exit row. So they've got the extra leg room and stuff. So it flies, it hits the wall that's in front of them because they're at the very front uh, between um, uh, business class, uh, first class, and uh, peasant class, which, you know, on an international flight is still pretty darn good. It's like, would I compare um, economy on an international flight to, uh, for those of you that have never flown overseas, economy is like first class on a domestic flight. Larger seats, more leg room. Uh, less crampiness, more comfortable chairs, um, you know, nicer accommodations. So, um, so just think about if you've ever flown first class on a domestic flight, um, you know, on your average domestic flight, you know, it's, it's about the equivalent to economy class on a, uh, on an international flight. So, so we're doing that. Uh, he throws the airplane back over the chair to me, and I catch it. And then the next thing I know, I see his little head pop up over the seat because he's standing in the chair, looking back at me. And and don't worry, the unfat you know where you can get up and walk around light was there. So at this time, this uh, this girl that's sitting beside me starts to take notice of what I'm doing. <laughs> And she makes a paper airplane as well, because, of course, she had her headphones turned up, and she was miserable, as was probably everyone on the entire flight, and just wanted to drown this uh, child out uh, as much as she could so that 
Um, you know, because he was bound and determined to probably scream the entire, you know, ten hours we were on the flight. So, um, you know, she, she starts playing with him as well. And eventually we get to the point where he's coming over and sitting with us and we're playing with him. And, and uh, I kind of taught him how to make paper airplanes and we start uh, playing and uh, then eventually we go around and, you know, because there's some room where we can sit on the floor and we play with him a little bit and, and hang out and, um, you know, and time flies by. You know, next thing we know, we're getting ready to land. We're all getting in our seats and I gave him the paper airplanes. I was like, okay, you know, we're getting ready to land. So, you know, uh, let's, let's, you know, be good and we're just going to have to sit in our seats and be quiet. And then once we get up, we can then go do whatever we want. So, um, we land, and he will not get off the plane at all. Like, he refuses to get off the plane. He wants his new best buddy to carry him. Uh, which, of course, I've never been much of a kid person before. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I know, I've been around plenty of kids, I know how to uh, I've just, ne- I don't have kids, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not skilled in, like, holding and carrying a child and walking with them. I've never done it before, uh, so that was actually my first experience doing that. It was a little odd, um, to say the least, because it was new to me, so I was like, hold on, let me get my bag, so I got my laptop satchel, put my cell phone in my bag, and I picked him up and carried him, and I carried him off the plane, and it was, it was so funny, because I'm, here I am walking with this, this young mother that's about my age, um, and her son, so all of the flight attendants assume that we're together, and that it, this is our child, and so they're complimenting, oh, your son is, was so good on the flight, and he's so handsome, and, you know, he definitely takes after his mother, and I was like, well, thank God she didn't, say he takes after me because I just met this kid a few hours ago <laughs> but anyway um so we get off the plane we we um you know he I try and set him down he is not having it I have to carry him I have to carry him and then he tries to invite me to their house for dinner um and of course the mother's like no he's got to go to where he's staying at you know he can't come home with us the father's like thank you for helping with my son i understand he was being a little bit of a nuisance on the flight and uh you know thanks for taking care of that for me and 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 handling that and you know thanked me and you know i said goodbye to him he gave me a hug and and then he vanished you know they well i mean they didn't like literally vanish but i mean they left and i left and i figured you know i i learned then how to how hailing a taxi works at an airport because up until that point i had never hailed a taxi i would always rent a car but there was no way in heck i was gonna rent a car in in uh, europe or you know because public transportation is awesome unlike in america and so i was going to use public transit you know taxis trains buses whatever you know i could get there no problem and it'd be probably cheaper than renting a car so um I walked up to the little thing, and the guy greets me. He says, oh, you need a taxi? Where to? And so I told him where I was going, pulled up the address, showed it to him. So he goes over to one of the taxis, and I love those taxis over there, the little black ones that look like a bowler cap. Uh, So, so smart looking, so cool. 
So, um, I hop in the taxi. Taxi driver was super awesome. He gave me his card afterwards after he dropped me at the hotel. Um, and of course I ended up using him to come back to the airport. I called him up, you know, a couple days before I left, um, England and told him that, Hey, I'm leaving on this date. Can you pick me up? I need to be at the airport by this time. So I need you to pick me up at this time. And of course he was awesome. I tipped him like, uh, I want to say I gave him my last pounds. So I think I tipped him like 40 or 50 pounds, um, you know, because I was like, you know, I won't be back for a little while, uh, so here, <laughs> have this, and, um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, getting to see the city, you know, he drove me around and, uh, showed me some of the sights, uh, you know, and kind of was pointing stuff out, you know, since it was my first time in the country, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, because it was a long drive from Heathrow to, uh, to my hotel, it was like, I want to say like 45 minutes to an hour, because <laughs> I was I was right um, right outside of like downtown area of London uh, near all the um, universities. So uh, like I mean there was like basically on the street I was on, which I want to say it was like uh, one of the cross streets was like Kings and Queen Street or something like that. There was like University Pub, University Pub, University Pub, um, you know, uh, along the way. And, you know, so, well, we were driving from Heathrow into town, um, and the tr there was traffic, too. There was bad traffic. That's why it took so long as well. Um, but, you know, while we were doing that, he's pointing out, like, oh, yeah, you need to see this, you need to see that, you need to see this. He said, the hotel you're staying at, you'll be walking distance to, you know, all the big stuff, like the Tower of London and Trafalgar Square and the Theater District and Soho and Chinatown and all this stuff. You'll be walking distance to all this stuff you know, whatever it is you're looking for in London, you're going to be close to, you know, it's not until you want to leave the city where you're really going to need to, uh, you know, start thinking about transportation. And I told him, I said, that's fine. I can walk for miles and miles and miles. No problem. So, um, you know, he drops me at the hotel. I get checked in. It's a very nice hotel. And I am beat. I've been on a plane. Um, I had to sleep in an airport food court. Um, you know, I am exhausted. I am dead. I am ready to hit the bed. And so I get a shower. Um, and I do just that. I go straight to bed. Um, and then... Uh, wake up the next morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, okay. So I set my laptop up on my desk, um, get logged into the, uh, the, the uh, network because I had a hardwire. Um, I always prefer hardware over Wi-Fi. Um, back then, you know, nowadays it's not really that much difference, but back then difference between having a hardline connection and Wi-Fi was huge. So they had a, a wired uh, network cable they gave me at the front desk, which I didn't even remember asking for, um, but I must have because I had it. <laughs> it was it with my, they gave it to me with my room keys. And uh, so yeah, so I started checking out the area. I started scoping out pizza places because of course that's pretty much what I eat is pizza. So 
you know, I started scoping out pizza places. I started like mapping them out, marking them down um, in my phone and Google Maps. Um, on my, you know, because my phone had, uh, you know, one of the early iterations of Google Maps with GPS, which was handy because I didn't need to carry an actual physical map. And uh, you know, I, seven o'clock rolled around. You know, uh, you know, I'd been on a couple phone calls. You know, let my my parents know I'd gotten in safely, um, and apologized for not calling sooner. But after everything I'd been through, they understood because they're like, "Yeah, you were probably tired." So, um, you know, called them, called a couple friends, let them know I was in town, um, and I had made it safe. And then, you know, like I said, by that time it was about seven o'clock. So I headed out. The sun was up. Um, it was a beautiful day, crystal clear sky, gorgeous. So I was like, okay, I want to go, you know, into town. I want to see, you know, all the things that tourists look at and take pictures of when they're in London because it's a sunny day and I know it rains a lot in London, it rained quite a bit while I was there. Matter of fact, my umbrella actually broke because it was actually quite windy, too. So um, I had, like, a little cheap travel umbrella that I had put into my suitcase. And uh, I was in Cambridge uh, when it actually broke. And I stopped into a little bookstore uh, while I was there. And replaced it. I'll talk about Cambridge later. And it seems like I'm probably going to have to break this out into a couple episodes, a couple parts. Um, so uh, we'll get to that in another episode. But yeah, so so I went around and I took pictures. And one thing I found out that about that time is that the people in London love to stare at their cell phones a lot. I don't know if that's changed in recent years, but when I was there... I would see people who didn't even appear to look up from their cell phone to cross the street, it, but they always seemed to cross when the little uh, indicator came up saying that it was safe to cross, you know, when the light changed. You know, and if you've ever walked in a city, you know, the little do not walk, walk uh, indicator, uh, that they seemed to be perfectly fine doing that without actually looking where they were going as if the cell phone was mysteriously telling them that the light had changed color um, and that it was safe to walk. So um, since I was doing that myself because I didn't know where I was and I was using my GPS on my phone, um, you know, I definitely uh, seemed to fit in. So much so that a group of uh, school children had just come out of the uh, London Aquarium, which is right across the street from Waterloo Station and on the other side of the uh, river from Parliament. Uh, it's right by the London Eye, uh, which is the huge uh, Ferris wheel-looking thing, um, which I rode twice, and that was so awesome, getting some great pictures of the city. Um, but anyway, so they came out, and they, they walked up to me very politely, and they were like, Excuse me, sir, uh, could you tell us where Waterloo Station is? And I looked at my phone right quick, and I said, Of course, yeah, no problem at all. It's on the other side of this building, so all you have to do is go up to the bridge, and don't cross the bridge, because that'll take you to 
to Parliament, uh, but go left and you can't miss it. You know, obviously it's a huge, huge train station. You know, you're going to find it pretty quickly. Uh, so they uh, thanked me and went on their way. Um, I also got stopped by several tourists uh, that day asking me for directions to different shops and uh, restaurants. And thankfully I had the unlimited data because I spent a good bit of my trip actually giving people directions, uh, both locals and tourists, um, on how to uh, get to different restaurants or different places, uh, which was, was fun. And that's, that's really my goal when I travel is I want to get to be so much immersive or immersed in the local culture that I want people to ask me for directions, uh, you know, cause that's when I figure, okay, you're doing something right. People think, you know, where you're going. You look like, you know, where you're going. You look like you belong here because they're asking you for directions. And that's kind of my, my goal now in life when I travel is to actually get to that point and, uh, and do that. So that was, uh, a very fun and fulfilling day. And, um, we will talk more about that. I'll pick up there on the next episode tomorrow, uh, and, uh, talk about what I actually saw, what I did and, and get more into that. So thank you guys so much for listening. And, um, I'm excited to share these trips with you. I'm going to do a couple different trips because obviously I've been to a couple different places and, uh, yeah. So have a great day, everyone. Bye. Thank you. And car thoughts out. Yeah. David and car thoughts. Car thoughts as done by David. Uh, David is an American gentleman and uh, he would be, and I've told him this in a message, <laughs> he would be what I would call a prolific podcaster. And by that, he does a daily podcast um, from his car. And these are car thoughts. These are not thoughts about cars. How many thoughts can you have about cars? Mm, it's a nice car. Mm, drives really well. No, it's the thoughts that he has. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> I've done too much talking, haven't I? Orange juice. <clears throat> yeah, so he, David and Car Thoughts. Recordings in his car. Um, sometimes he's by himself. Sometimes he's do, he does interviews. Um, and it's really interesting stuff. And the thing with the thing with David is that um, he's very thoughtful um, when he speaks and, and, and um, what he speaks about. It's kind of like there's a lot of um, thought gone into... Um, what he's saying and even though sometimes it's uh, uh you know sort of spontaneous stuff coming out as well it kind of like adds to the mix of things and it's very pleasant to listen to as well and because he's a daily podcast uh, i've told him i i i have trouble keeping up um <laughs> but it's true uh, but yeah uh, there was one thing that um david had said to me about um i'd done a podcast in the shower and if you want to go back after this podcast, it's about five or six podcasts ago, and I did a podcast in the shower. Um, and one of the things that was uh, had occurred to me while I was in the shower, apart from, ooh, look at that. No, uh, one of the things that occurred to me while I was in the shower uh, was that in the shower is where I get a lot of uh, inspiration for things. It's where you get these those um, those aha moments. Aha. And then, of course, you've got nothing to write it down on. I might start writing on the tiles. I uh, don't know if Mrs. F would be too keen on that, but uh, in, in in a similar way, David was saying that he gets some of his best thoughts while he's driving, um, 
So uh, I think uh, he, he decided that, uh, you know, he would do a podcast while he's driving. And I like it. And uh, I would definitely recommend listening to it. Um, you can even listen to it while you're driving, I suppose. But I, I tend to listen to it while I'm sitting at home working because it's it, he also keeps you company as well. It's, it's like it's, sometimes it's like he's talking to you. Just you. I mean, that's the, the the good secret of a good podcaster, a good radio guy, is where it feels like a one to one, and and it's and it's like that with David, and it's really cool, and I and I, and I, and I quite enjoy that kind of thing. So um, that's all the nice things I can say about car thoughts with David.